Frederick Beekner passed away recently. A theologian and author, he wrote 39 books. Blows me away. In one of his books, Beekner talks about sitting at a bar at an airport. He had been on a speaking engagement and was coming home. And he had one of those lost moments. I think we all have them from time to time. He wondered, why am I here? What am I doing? Does any of this have any meaning? Here I am at this random bar in this random airport and I feel lost. He happened to glance next to him and there was a little cardboard place setting the kind that my grandmother would have put at people's seats at a formal dinner party with their name on it nicely in calligraphy. On the little card were the initials C F B. Frederick Beekner's first name is Carl, but nobody knows that, and he doesn't put it on his books. But these were his initials. And he said at that moment it was as if a, a veil was pulled back, and he realized that he was exactly where he was supposed to be. That he may not understand any of it or why or how, but that God was telling him, I see you. I know you're there. And I'm here too. It's been seven years. It's been seven years since the movie Arrival came out and none of you told me about it. So I'm mad at you. Because I just saw it this past week. Have any of you seen this movie Arrival, it's called? Yes, yay. It's amazing. It's the story of a PhD in linguistics, a woman named Louise Baker, who's being a professor when something happens. Twelve huge oval-shaped spheres appear on planet Earth in random places all over the planet. Pakistan, China, Venezuela, and Montana. They appear without disturbing the atmosphere in any way. 
They don't even touch the ground. They kind of hover. And all of a sudden, they're just there. Each one of these spheres at the very bottom opens every 18 hours, anticipating, perhaps, that a human would have the courage to come inside and talk or at least witness the other beings. The movie, although it appears to be about aliens, is also very much about human nature. Because, of course, humanity decides to respond in two different ways. Of course, the Americans are, are portrayed as the good guys. Of course. We're the courageous ones. We decide we want to enter the sphere and talk to these beings. And so they decide that Louise Baker, as a linguist, should be the one. Along with a scientist named Ian. Whereas the Chinese, they decide that this is a huge threat and maybe they should bomb them. Venezuela follows suit. You get the gist. When Louise enters the sphere, she's trembling. She's so terrified. And that really is the question, isn't it? Are we going to enter into the encounter or are we going to be afraid and fight or run well she decides to enter in and over the course of visits realizes that they do communicate that she can communicate with them through some kind of bizarre writing but what she realizes is that she understands so little and they understand so much more in fact they can see beyond time. Picture with me that you live thousands of years ago, before this earth was so populated. I was at a graduation last weekend and so many people, so many names, and then the airport, so many people all the time. We're surrounded by people these days. But Imagine that you lived so long ago that you could walk for hundreds of miles without seeing another human soul. It was just you, your partner, and a few servants, and that was it. That was what it was like for Abraham in the book of Genesis that we heard today. Abraham and his wife Sarah leave Ur of the Chaldeans and they walk, maybe they ride a donkey part of the time or a camel, but mostly they walk hundreds of miles into an unknown land. Dry, barren, so few trees that they name their trees. He is at the Oaks of Mamre. So there's a couple oak trees and they call them by that. Abraham is sitting under a tree in the heat of the day because it was so hot you don't move in the middle of the day. We're kind of familiar with that in Florida, especially at this time of year. So he's sitting there and just like in the movie Arrival, all of a sudden these three men just are there. 
They just show up. It's very specific in the book of Genesis. They just appear. And Abraham has that same choice, the choice about the encounter. What, what's he going to do? He hasn't seen another human soul in who knows how long. He could have run in the tent screaming. He could have gotten some kind of a stick off the tree and prepared for battle. But no. Abraham actually rushes towards these men and falls down on his face and worships them basically treats them as if they are from God he doesn't know how but he he says welcome and please don't pass me by I, I want to talk to you I, I want to have an encounter come come sit under the tree don't you want to wash your feet or I'll get you something to drink I'll get you something to eat and then he goes and my friends there was no McDonald's this is a barren land and he goes and he kills his calf, a source of food. And he has the calf prepared and he brings it to them with cakes, with milk, with curds. He brings them the best of everything he has. And then he listens. The three say, where's your wife? Oh, she's in the tent. They say, I'm going to come back and she's going to have a child. That was the one thing that Abraham and Sarah wanted more than anything else in this world. And the one thing that they thought they could never have. They were old. She was postmenopausal. So when they said, You're, she's going to have a child, Sarah, who's obviously eavesdropping, goes ha, 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 ha and the men say you laughed but it, it'll happen and she says I didn't laugh and they say yes you did <laughs> and she does bear a son whose name is Isaac which means laughter From this encounter, all of us are here. Abraham and Sarah are the father and mother of the Judeo-Christian part of the human race. They are the beginning of all of our genome. If you're Christian, Jewish, or Muslim, you reach back to them somehow. All of us hinged on this encounter because Abraham didn't run away, he didn't fight, he went to the encounter and he listened and he gave. What if God is always talking to you? Always. What if the variable is not that God isn't talking? and only speaks occasionally, what if the variable is your capacity to hear, your capacity to understand, your capacity to wake up? What if in that moment when Frederick Buechner was sitting at the bar, it wasn't that God wasn't there talking to him at other times, but it was that for that moment, for whatever reason, 
he was open enough to hear. You know, Jesus sent out the disciples in pairs. He told them not to bring anything. And he told them to say to people these words, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Which basically, if you boil down the ancient Greek, what it really means is God's around. God's right here. God is here with you. The realm of God, the domain of God, the presence of God is right here. That's all they were saying. Wake up. God's right here. And all these miracles are possible. You can raise the dead. You can heal people. You can cleanse lepers. You can cast out demons. You are so powerful if you would just wake up. God is right here. Waiting for the encounter. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. Right here, right now. And every person you meet, every thing that you see, is an opportunity for you to learn more about God and about your role in bringing in the kingdom. Imagine who we could become if we were to awaken to that realization that God is always talking to us. Imagine what might be born from that awareness. Amen.